Good morning. I um, love that we just sang that song because I think sometimes we need to be reminded that we are children of God and that you are a child of God. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God, uh, God invites you more into his family, deeper into his love. Uh, he invites you to his table. Everyone is invited to the table, and God loves us so much that he wants to not leave us the way we are, but bring us deeper into his likeness and into his love. So I want to take the opportunity right now, um, as we talk about being God's child, to recognize that we have a growing group of children and families that are returning and coming back, feeling comfortable being here. And kids, we want to pray over you before you go off to your time with our leaders. And, uh, and I'll put it out here again for some of you that are wondering, like, hmm, where could I be involved? Um, with lots of our families still tentative about coming back, we actually still need volunteers with our children's ministry. And if you would like to be part of that, um, please uh, talk to, the, to Heather in the church office uh, or to Christine around um, being involved in that. So kids, we want to pray for you, and then we'll let you guys uh, go on your way. So Father God, we thank you for our children. We thank you that they are precious in your sight. They are precious in our sight. They teach us about you as much as we might teach them about you. And uh, we are so glad that they are with us, that they can be part of this time with us. And we're thankful for those that are serving them Sunday in and Sunday out uh, as they go and they learn and have fun doing that. So go now uh, with them and uh, thank you that uh, they're going to have a great time as we do as well. Amen. So kids, you guys can head on out. Christine is at the back in the blue shirt. She's waving. She will lead you to your new promised land. All right. So this morning we have uh, Dr. Stephen Roy who's going to be sharing with us uh, in a minute. And uh, before we do that, I just wanted to acknowledge the fact of what we've all been watching over the last week, and that is the conflict happening uh, in Ukraine. And... Uh, Spent the weekend watching, um, keeping up with the news, praying, sitting, um, and this morning just decided that I wanted to write a prayer for us uh, corporately that we could pray together. Uh, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me in spirit, but uh, we want to pray for Ukraine and then just um, talk briefly and then we will have Stephen come up and, and our other guest Rod who's going to be joining him representing Mennonite Central Committee this morning. So pray with me for our, for our brothers and sisters uh, in Ukraine. Heavenly Father, we know that it is beautiful when your people live together in harmony. We know as the psalmist has written that when your people live together in harmony, you are present and your blessings of shalom are experienced by all. And we grieve that this is not so in the region of Ukraine. We grieve that one nation is fighting another. We grieve that violence and aggression are seen as the answer to conflict. We grieve that there is no harmony, there is no peace, there is no sight for alternatives. And we grieve that each nation claims to be your people, Christians, and yet fail to see how you might offer reconciliation and peace for them as nations. We ask that you would intervene, that you would open eyes and minds and hearts to the possibilities of alternative actions that don't use bombs or bullets or fists. Give opportunity to peacemakers who are already there that their voice might be heard. Bring relief from the fighting, from the fear, from the pain and suffering. 
We believe that Jesus is the center of our faith. And we believe that community is the center of our lives. And we believe that reconciliation is the center of our work. So at this time, we pray, asking that you would provoke us to keep Jesus in the center. We ask that you would encourage us to keep this community central to our daily rhythms. And we ask that you would lead us together in how we can seek reconciliation and peace for Russia and Ukraine and around the world. As we pray for those over there, we also ask that you would open our eyes to how we might pursue reconciliation over here. As we grieve the violence there, may we also admit the violence here. We are not innocent. We contribute to systems that promote violence in all its forms. And we repent of our propensity to resort to forms of conflict that are advocated by the powers of this world. We repent of our willingness to pursue our own desires for vengeance instead of following the way of Jesus. We have often failed to seek reconciliation in our own lives. And we ask for your forgiveness and for your spirit to flow freely in us and show us the way of the reconciler. Even so, we pray for your spirit to move in the hearts of those engaged in battle in Ukraine. Even so, we pray for you to pierce the hearts of those leaders choosing this destructive path. Even so, we pray for the violence to end and for peace to prevail. We believe that Jesus has offered a new way, a better way, an eternal way to peace. And we believe that it is possible to work for this in partnership with your Holy Spirit. We commit to following Jesus as Savior and Lord. We commit to the body of Christ so that together we might pray for peace and pursue it in this land. We commit to reconciliation with one another and with those who are against us. And we pray for peace in Ukraine at this time. We pray for the hope of the gospel for those involved in this conflict. And we pray for those suffering the loss of peace and fear of death. And if we can do anything to help end this madness, show us how. We are yours. Amen. So in just a moment, uh, Stephen's going to be coming and sharing with us, but I did want to encourage you, um, you know, we pray in a moment like this, we need to realize that there's conflict all over the world, and yet this one has potential to suck in so many other nations and become so out of control so quickly. And so one of the things that we can do is pray and actually trust that God hears our prayers and, and acts when his people pray. I also want to encourage you to, to um, consider uh, if you want to contribute to the needs of those in Ukraine that are suffering that you can give through Mennonite Central Committee of whom Stephen and Rod are representing here today. And they have been on the ground in the Ukraine since 1920. They have people on the ground there. And uh, we have, uh, if you go to the YouTube video online, um, there are links in there for clicking to read more about MCC in Ukraine and how you can be involved. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page. There's a post there with a link to the website for MCC. And you can um, consider donating to help provide for those there. You can also advocate with our Canadian government for how they are being involved um, to consider giving more to the uh, official development assistance program rather than just sending weapons or aid that way, but to actually send funds for those that are on the ground pursuing peaceful means of reconciliation and resolution on the ground there. And just continue to be people of reconciliation and live that out in your own lives here. So I just encourage you, check out MCC. You can donate through them. There's links there to show you how you can um, write to the government about how our Canadian government is being involved in this conflict and to continue pursuing that um, in your own life. So at this time, I want to invite Stephen Roy to come up. 
Stephen is a friend, a colleague. Um, he uh, is uh, representing Mennonite Central Committee here today, or what we refer to as MCC. And he is also the chair of the board of directors for the Canadian Conference of the Be in Christ Church. He and I sit on that board together, and uh, I try not to cause too many problems for him while we're at those meetings. And um, we have a meeting next Saturday, so depending on what he does today, we'll determine how I act <laughs> next Saturday. So, um, Stephen, we are glad that you're here, and uh, thank you for uh, bringing this word for us. Well, thank you, Paul, for your welcome, and uh, just it's great to be here this morning. Um, as Paul said, we, I am from an, a fellow BIC church at Pathway in Kitchener. Our pastoral couple are Shane and Leah Brown, and Shane and Leah spent many years here at New Life, so uh, it's great to have them as uh, our pastoral couple. And as Paul said, I serve on the board of directors of the Be in, Tri Be in Christ Church of Canada, and uh, just love that opportunity to connect with our family of churches. I started with MCC last summer and have had opportunity to share uh, the work of MCC in a number of settings and glad to do that today. But before we do that, I do want to reflect a little bit on the scriptures. Let's go to the next slide. And uh, turn your attention to Acts chapter 3. We're going to read the first 10 verses, but let me set the context. This passage comes after Jesus has uh, been crucified, he has been resurrected, and he ascends into heaven again. And following his death, his resurrection and ascension, his followers continue his work, sharing his message in word and deed, and living out their faith and commitment to him. And as they do so, they make an impact upon the communities. In the city of Jerusalem, people are healed. They, he, they respond to the message of Jesus, and they come to faith. And indeed, in some parts of the Roman world, as the apostles share the message of Jesus, whole communities are thrown into uproar. There's, sadly, violence as uh, the apostles are persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, and sent packing from various places. And as we begin Acts chapter 3, we read of a story of Peter and John, two of the apostles, going into the temple and encountering a man who has been lame from birth. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I want to suggest to you that this story emphasizes the, continu the continuity between the, the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the apostles. 
And the emphasis in the story is of the power, the continuing power of the name of Jesus to perform acts of healing. There were signs in the ministry of Jesus of the coming of the kingdom of God. This incident takes place in, in our Bibles. We, we begin at chapter 3, but at the end of the previous chapter, after the day of Pentecost, when the disciples, the believers, are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a summary. And Luke, the author of the book of Acts, tells us that the believers were meeting together constantly. They were performing signs and wonders. And they, some sold possessions and gave the proceeds to meet the needs of those who had need. They continued to worship in the temple each and every day. And they met in homes, sharing together in the, in the Lord's Supper. And Luke tells us when they gathered, their meetings were characterized by joy and generosity. And indeed, they enjoyed the goodwill of the whole community. And the numbers coming into that community kept growing and growing and growing. And so in the passage we read, Peter and John go to the temple. They get to one of the gates, and they encounter a man who's been lame from birth. And he's, he's, he's set there by some of his friends or family, and he's begging from the temple worshipers going in to worship at the temple. If we read on, we, we discover this man is over 40 years of age, so he's been doing this for quite some time, and he knows the best place to get some money. And he asks Peter and John if they have any money to give him. And Peter directs his attention, the man's attention to himself, and you can imagine the expectation level goes up on this man. He thinks he's going to get a significant gift, but Peter says, I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And Peter stretches out his hand. And the man reaches up and takes Peter's hand, and Peter pulls him to his feet. And in that moment, he feels his ankle bones, his leg bones, his feet somehow changing, strengthening. He's able to stand on his feet. And you can imagine him taking a tentative step. And those steps soon turn into bigger steps. And it's more than a step. He begins to kind of, you know, jumping. And, you know, I won't do it too much. Uh, but uh, he starts jumping. And as he jumps, he's full of praise to God because he knows that it, it is God who has healed him in the name of Jesus. And as this incident takes place, it's not in a private area. It's in a public area. It's part of the temple precincts. People are going in through this gate called Beautiful to worship. And what takes place gets their attention. And Luke tells us that they were filled with wonder and amazement. By faith in the name of Jesus, Peter says later, this man who you know and see was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him for all to see. And Peter takes opportunity to share with the crowd what has taken place and to give an explanation for what has taken place. And he's able to do that. But of course, that attracts the attention of the temple authorities. And it's not too long before Peter and John find themselves taken into custody, put into the jail cells. They spend the night in jail and have to defend themselves before the Jewish high council the next day. And the council have a particular outcome in mind. They want to prevent the message of Jesus spreading in Jerusalem. They're aware of the impact of what is taking place, what continues to take place. They recognize that the apostles sharing the message of Jesus is having an effect. And so they try to 
warn Peter and John not to speak about the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, of course, defy that order and say, we cannot help but speak of that which we have seen and heard. They are eyewitnesses to the, to the teaching, to the ministry, to the life of Jesus, and they will not be prevented from doing that. I'm reminded that Mennonite Central Committee exists today to share the love and compassion of God in the name of Christ and does that by responding to basic human need and working for peace and justice in the world. And as the, the apostles continued the ministry of Jesus in the first century, so the church today continues the ministry of Jesus in the 21st century. And Mennonite Central Committee is an organization that brings together various Anabaptist groups to, to display in deed, in power, the message of Jesus by responding to needs, by following the command of Jesus to love our neighbor, feed the hungry, welcome the stranger, visit the prisoner, clothe the naked. And as, if, and as we continue to do that, let's go to the next slide. MCC exists today to, to continue the ministry of Jesus. And the question might be, why should you be concerned about that here at New Life Church? MCC is a ministry of various Anabaptist churches that share God's love and compassion in 47 countries around the world and exists today as a combined effort of church groups like the Be in Christ Church of Canada, working with others such as the Ontario Conference of Mennonite Brethren or the Mennonite Church Eastern Canada or various other smaller groups of Anabaptists and Mennonites and working together to give evidence to the love and compassion of God. And in our BIC world, we have a number of, uh, of our people who sit on the board of BIC, oh, sorry, of MCC, both at national level and at provincial level. And as I've joined MCC, I've discovered others uh, in our staff community and in, in our, uh, our groups who attend various BIC churches. Let's go to the next slide. MCC works in three main areas of relief, development, and peace, providing relief where there is uh, a natural disaster or some other disaster caused by uh, a prolonged uh, conflict, such as in Syria or Iraq, and I suspect now in Ukraine as well. Providing sustainable development, meeting people, providing long-lasting solutions to poverty by working in areas of food and water and health and education, and also in peace building, providing non-violent solutions, believing that peace is the foundation of everything that we do. And over the past two years, MCC has continued its work despite the pandemic. And two years ago, MCC celebrated its 100th anniversary, begun in 1920 to meet the needs of people in Ukraine. And so, 100 years later, we're, we're uh, back to where we started. Let's go to the next slide. MCC provides relief when there is disaster. And in the fall of last year, MCC was able to work with the Brethren in Christ Church in Cuba to provide relief aid across the island, working through the BIC church there that was uh, very well organized, and uh, canned food and hygiene and relief kits were distributed across 10 provinces, working through local relief committees. And uh, you see two ladies on the screen. On the left is Clara Rodriguez. She's holding two cans of 
uh, meat that are, are part of MCC's food program. And Raffaella Duarte on the, the, uh, the right, she's 75. She's got the contents of a hygiene kit and some canned meat. And these photographs were taken uh, in November of last year. The economic situation in Cuba is dire after 60 years of a US trade embargo. The difficulty of sending money back to the island from expatriates who live overseas and also the loss of tourist dollars over these last two years. Pastor Jose Gonzalez, the pastor of the BIC Church in Santa Clara said, we're grateful because today we see the answer to our prayers. We see that what we thought was impossible now made possible. We see that we are in the hands of God. And MCC is able to make impact in the lives of people suffering in our world. Let's go to the next slide. Here's two individuals on the left. You'll see, a pic, you'll see Zebron Mowali, uh, and on the right, his neighbor, Mary Mwimba. And uh, Zebron carried a grudge against his neighbor, Mary, for quite some time because she called the police to inform them that her neighbor, Zebron, was growing cannabis. And that led to him being convicted and sent to prison. When he was in prison, he noticed prisoners and others wearing a small pin on their clothing. It had an image of a baobab tree, and he was intrigued, and he asked what this pin represented. And he was told that members, that people who wore the, the pin were members of the prison peace club. And he was intrigued, and he joined the peace club, and there he learned how to identify conflicts in his life and peaceful ways to resolve him, and he began to work at changing ingrained patterns of behavior that he knew were wrong and needed to be changed. And the program had a life-changing impact. He was able to reconcile with his neighbor, Mary. He, uh, his improved behavior was noticed, and he qualified for an early release from his sentence. But when he was released, the transformation didn't stop. He set about establishing a peace club in his community uh, because he knew that what had taken place in the prison had so changed his life. And he reached out to his, his neighbor, Mary, who joined him as the co-chair of the local peace club. And MCC has supported clubs like this since they were first implemented in 2006 in three Zambian schools. And the program's grown to more than 400 clubs across a dozen countries. And the Zambian government took note of this and began to take the principles uh, used in the Peace Club to train their correctional officers. And a number of years ago, Rod, who is with me today, Rod Friesen, who directs our restorative justice program here in Ontario, was able to travel to Malawi, to Zambia, and be involved in the training of prison correctional officers in principles of conflict resolution and peace building. A demonstration of the impact that MCC's work has as we seek to share the love and compassion of God in the name of Christ. Well, I've mentioned Rod. He's here with us today. He directs our restorative justice program. And I'm going to ask him to come to the stage and just take a few moments to share a little bit about his work and the program that he directs. All right. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be here today uh, to share with you and uh, it's a nice lead-in just to hear Stephen's story. Um, as well, I thought about Paul's prayer around reconciliation is the work of the church. It's the work of all of us. 
Uh, in our restorative justice programming here in Ontario, uh, we have a number of core programs, and I'll just give you a little bit of a, a highlight or snapshots, but I wanted to uh, tell you, first of all, if you don't know much about restorative justice, that it's not a new idea. It's been around for many millennia. In fact, Indigenous people and people in community have found ways of responding to harm prior to having a criminal justice system. Different societies have found different ways across the globe to respond to harm. When we talk about justice, the root word of justice means fairness for everyone. And I think it's a really neat story um, that Stephen shared about how neighbors could come together who were formerly enemies. The dictionary definition of restorative justice is really a system of criminal justice that focuses on the rehabilitation of offenders through reconciliation with victims and the community at large. I would say that's a big emphasis of what we do at MCC uh, here in Ontario, but we also have other grassroots initiatives and training initiatives in restorative justice. So the next slide is a picture of a spider web, and I want you to think about the relationships that all of us have in our lives and how restorative justice works to res restore these relationships. So consider the first time maybe you uh, caused harm to someone. Uh, think about what, or what happened and how someone maybe helped you, maybe as a parent, guide you to make things right. And at the basic level, this is the premise of restorative justice. We look back, we think about what's happened, what were we thinking at the time, what have we been thinking since, and how we can, in a collaborative way, come together with people who we've harmed and people that have experienced uh, or, or caused harm to have a stake in the process. And here in Ontario, we look mainly at offender-based work, um, those that have caused harm and the impacts on, on their families more directly. And restorative justice really is a theory that believes that acknowledgement of harm and addressing the needs of victims and offenders when they take responsibility can be transformative. And restorative justice at the heart is not essentially about forgiveness, but we know and we've seen in many occasions it can lead to forgiveness. So the next slide is a, a slide of a scales and it's restorative justice and the basic premise is really around working with victims, offenders, and community. And for MCC, we bridge the gap between those offenders coming to the community and how they are received and socially included, but also how they can be support, supported and have accountability when they come back. The, uh, the next slide that I'll just highlight is um, our uh, circles of support and accountability and our faith community reintegration projects. In uh, three lo main locations, uh, we have in GTA, in uh, Brampton, Hamilton, and Kitchener. Uh, we work with individuals who are returning from the federal and provincial correctional facilities uh, here, mainly in Ontario, and sometimes across Canada. What we do with volunteers is work in small circles of support and accountability to help individuals uh, re-enter the community, uh, learn uh, the, the types of things that they need in terms of conflict resolution with uh, community, with family, friends, parole officers, things like that, and police, 
and how to live a pro-social life, uh, and as well how to uh, connect to community and also helping community connect to people who have offended. Because we, uh, we don't want the uh, individuals we work with to live a lifetime of shame and guilt. We want them to be able to come back and feel a sense of social inclusion. We know, and the research says, that when people are uh, returning to community, when they're less isolated from the community, they'll do better, and chances are they won't reoffend. Our faith community reintegration works specifically with women coming out of federal prisons, and uh, typically the women are coming out of Grand Valley Institution uh, in Kitchener. And we work with about 40 women in uh, uh, GTA and, and Brampton areas to help them reintegrate into faith communities of their choice. And it's quite broad in terms of it might be finding sp a meaningful spiritual activity or it could be, uh, you know, connecting with, uh, in a multi-faith way, various denominations and other faith groups. We also, in this work, work nationally in advocacy with the National Association of Organizations Active in Criminal Justice to look at criminal justice change and reform. And, and uh, recently, we've been working uh, toward looking at how we do better work in reintegrating uh, ex-offenders into community. Um, there's a new law out now called Bill C-228, which is an act to reduce recidivism. It's specifically gained at help, helping ex-offenders with employment, housing, and uh, supports as they re-enter the community. And the faith community is actually written into the legislation in Canada now. So this is an opportunity for faith communities to become involved in uh, reintegration. Now the next slide is on training active bystanders, and this is a practical program. It's two and a half hours long. We've been running it online, and it teaches individuals how to respond to harm doing in the moment or later when you've sort of had time to think. We've trained over 800 people in uh, various uh, organizations and across Canada in this program. Our training is mainly focused in Ontario, but we do have trainers across the country. And it's a, uh, it's a peace building process to uh, respond to harm in the community. It could be walking down the street, it could be online, it could be at work. Uh, you know, what do you do and say when you notice harm is happening? And this workshop teaches individuals how to do that. And it's available for groups as well as community uh, participation that it's just advertised on Eventbrite. The next program is, uh, in the next slide, is the Applied Peacebuilding Skills Certificate Program. And right now we have 17 people participating from various uh, denominations, and it's really a deep dive for four months uh, every two weeks. We uh, have an online uh, two-hour class where individuals who want to learn deeper peacebuilding skills to specifically contribute to being a leader in peacebuilding in their, in their community or their job. So uh, this is a, a second run-through of a pilot we started during the pandemic. It's been quite successful. And uh, components of this program can be pulled out and customized for individuals and groups as well. So it's just a, another opportunity to get individuals engaged in their local community around peace building. We have an opportunity as well for men to get involved specifically and there are uniquely Anabaptist uh, resources called Peaceful at Heart. This is the next slide. And it is an opportunity to have book clubs within uh, 
uh, church uh, settings or, or community settings for men who are interested in understanding masculinity and their role, uh, particularly now we hear a lot about toxic masculinity in our society and what that is and, and expressions of gender. And so this book is, is a deep dive. It's uh, in some ways an uncomfortable dive into a lot of difficult topics for men. Uh, but the discussions we've been having in book clubs uh, across Ontario online has been uh, really quite phenomenal. So if that's something you're interested in, just keep that in mind. So as I wrap up, on the next slide, um, restorative justice it really is about asking a lot of questions. We ask more questions than sometimes we have answers for. We look at what are the root causes of the harm doing? How can we... Uh, encourage transformation and healing? How can we prevent crisis from happening, like, uh, you know, crime from happening, as well as the crisis management when a crime does happen? This might be on a micro scale between individuals or neighbors. It could also be on a macro scale within the criminal justice system, which we're seeking uh, change in. And on the last slide, I'll just uh, say in closing, for you, what does it mean to live restoratively? you know, in your, in your work, in your community, in your home. Practically, one small way is to consider transforming relationships through listening. Checking out what other people are feeling and what they're needing. Consider what are some of the feelings when your needs go unfulfilled? And what are some of your needs when they are fulfilled? What are some basic needs we all have? And what is it or what should we consider when we live in community when the needs of all need to be considered? And that can be difficult, uh, but you can see why we ask so many questions. Because in doing this, we start to create a safe space for all. And the biblical perspective of restorative justice comes really throughout the Bible. We see justice a, as a common theme. And in the New Living Translation, it says, no... O oh people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'll turn it back over to Stephen. Thank you. Let's go to the next slide. And the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ways to get involved with MCC. And you might be asking, why should we be concerned? This is part of the ministry that we do together as an individual congregation working with others through our denomination, through the Be in Christ Church of Canada, and then working with others who share a similar theological background and perspective to make an impact on the world in the name of Christ. And it's amazing when you begin to see what MCC does you really can say this is part of the impact that you, as a single congregation, makes in the world, bringing relief and development and peace in the name of Christ. Lots of, this church has been involved with MCC down through the years. You've contributed financially. You've contributed materially, but through relief kits and school kits and other ways. And uh, across the province, many province, many churches continue to be actively involved and engaged with MCC. And part of my role is to encourage churches to connect with MCC and to uh, respond to questions and inquiries about how individual congregations or groups within congregations might connect. And what you see on this slide is just a number of icons that suggest 
different ways to be involved. Uh, following MCC on social media, being up to date with what's going on. Uh, writing to a lawmaker, we heard earlier about advocacy work. Campaigning uh, with those who create policy and law for the needs of the poor and marginalized. Making a, an MCC comforter, part of MCC's relief uh, work, uh, involves the distribution of food. We saw that in the slides from Cuba, in hygiene relief kits, but also in comforters. And across the province, there are church groups that come together to uh, sew together to create comforters that are then given out as part of MCC's relief work. And then, of course, a network of thrift stores, of shops across the province, uh, not, not one very much, very close to Collingwood, but uh, those thrift shops provide an opportunity for people to recycle used clothing, household goods, other items, and then the sales uh, from those items are then used in MCC's programming. And as we heard earlier, an active way to be involved is to pray, uh, to pray for the needs of those who are in need around the world, and to pray for conflict, that God might, through His people and through the work of His Spirit, uh, move people towards peaceful solutions. So lots of ways to be involved. There's a, a small table in the foyer with some information packets. If you want additional information about MCC, pick one up, take it home, or uh, talk to me after the service. And my prayer for you is that as you think about the impact of the apostles, Coming back to the passage we read in Acts chapter 3, the apostles continued the ministry of Jesus, and they did so by sharing the message of Jesus, both in word and deed. And they made an impact in the lives of thousands, tens of thousands throughout the Roman Empire. And as our churches uh, today continue uh, ministry in the name of Jesus, we continue to have an impact. And through the pandemic, many of our congregations have made a direct impact. I don't know your story, but maybe there's opportunity as we continue to move forward of connecting with our community and making an impact in the name of Jesus. And my prayer for you is that even this week, like Peter and John, encountering someone who had a need, you might be able to respond to that need and bless someone in the name of Jesus. May God bless you as you bless others in His name. Amen. Somebody wants us to finish. Um, Stephen, Rod, thank you for um, just bringing that word for us and letting us know about MCC. So we, every year we provide relief kits and uh, we do that at Christmas. Rachel, can you wave at the back? Rachel's our coordinator for that. And some of those relief kits are going to Ukraine. Um, therefore, things like that. So just um, to be mindful of that. Um, yeah, the, the gospel is, is about Jesus saving people spiritually and physically. And as the church, the body of Christ, we have a role in that. I do want to encourage you, if you uh, have a chance to take the active bystander course, to do that. Because you see scenarios all the time in your town, in your family, in your community, where you could actually step in if it was needed. And this is actually giving you some skills, like, because most of the time you're just paranoid, like, I don't know what to do. That's what it's for, is to help you with some of that. Taking the gospel and turning it into tangible, practical, good news for people everywhere. Thanks for being here today. Next Sunday, we're going to go back into our Luke series, and we're going to actually spend a couple weeks looking at how Luke teaches us about the Holy Spirit. 
Before you go today, just a little bit of housekeeping um, because we're, we're in the stage where uh, it's tricky from week to week trying to figure out who's available to do what. And uh, if you're around before tomorrow night, we've got something on the wall in the gym that needs a hook put in it and it needs to be fixed. So if you could talk to me or Heather after the service, it's just a very practical thing that needs to get done right away. Um, next Sunday is our AGM. Do you remember that thing? We do it once a year and we have lunch after the service. Well, it's right after the service, no lunch this time, but it is in person and it's next week. So we encourage you to, to be um, part of that. And just a reminder about our Alpha program that's starting March 10th. And you can find more information about all that uh, on the weekend email that goes out or on our website. So thanks for being here today, and we trust that um, you will go this week um, prayerfully and mindfully in how you can be um, Jesus' people that our world needs. Bye for now.